With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Right. Good evening, everyone. It's Thursday evening, September 16th. We are ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete, and we are live on WBTR, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is uh, Ready to Unload, Episode 3 on WBTR, and I am your host for this evening, Cal, Brian Calvi. Uh, I am joined by Dr. E. Ray Statt on the line. Good evening, Dr. E. Ray. How are you doing, Cal? I've noticed uh, we're missing somebody tonight. We are missing somebody because um, this will henceforth be known as, as the tornado episode of Ready to Unload. <laughs> flash. We don't often get flash floods and tornadoes in Long Island region, but uh, no. tonight we're getting them. Yeah, uh, and for those of you that don't know, we're based out of, out of New York, Long Island specifically, and um, we were hit with some massive, massive thunderstorms and uh, tornadoes, actually. Tornadoes actually touched down right in, uh, actually, at the home of, of Sam Pete, our buddy Sam Pete, Steve San Pietro. I believe that's ground zero right now. There, uh, there's a big, huge thing on CNN about Steve's house right now. Yeah, if you, if you put the television on, you're going to see people at Steve's house, and we may even get him to join in via CNN tonight, if, if we're lucky. But um, hey, so, as long as he as long as he promotes the show, I'm fine with it. That's all that matters. He's got a ready to unload T-shirt on. He's going to be on CNN with Wolf Blitzer, and you know we're, we're going to be huge out of this. No, but yeah. seriously, this could, this could be the best thing ever for us. This could really, I mean, natural disasters. That's what, that's that's how you get big. But um, it's already starting out odd because we're on Thursday night. It's not Tuesday night, so we've already moved the show to Thursday night this week. And uh, and now we're dealing with um, acts of God, so we really you know really up against it this week. People expected to hear the lovely dulcet tones of San Pete on Tuesday. They tune in on Thursday and no San Pete. No, and they they hear my my rough hard voice. (laughs) Don't even get started about mine, but but we push on. We push on, and and the latest from from San Pete, who we hope to have call us. Uh, later on in the show, he's, he's making every effort to, to get home and navigate the, the tree-lined streets of Queens. He's going to give us a call, and he will join the show later, hopefully. Um, the latest word from Steve was, was that there's a tree down on a car in front of his house. 
I, I think the latest was actually was his car. Oh, his car. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've got uh, – this is quite a start we've gotten uh, to here. But you know what has been on my mind, Cal? You know, what, talking what, about uh, talking about natural disasters. How about the Jets on Monday night? Let's talk about it. Well played, my friend. Well played. Talking about being up against it, we're going to start off with the New York Jets. And the New York Jets, well, let's just say it. They laid an egg on, on Monday uh, night. You know, Cal, I've been quiet. Obviously, I'm not the big talker on this show, uh, but quietly I've been seething because when you, when you go an entire offseason basically shooting your mouth off, and talking about how great things are going to be, going to the Super Bowl, we're the team to beat. I'm sorry, but that, that sets everybody up. You know, their expectations are huge. And you can't and, – and the reality is, and I was talking about this the other day, if they had gone out and played normal, you know, hadn't talked that way, and lost to Baltimore 10-9, no one would say anything. But because they built it up so much and did the show, people are going nuts. Well, you know, have you, you were saying this pretty much since last January, after, after they lost – in the AFC Championship game for the Colts last year. And you, you know, all of the Jet fans that we know were kind of talking about it, but you in particular, I remember, you, had the, you said the same phrase over and over and over again, when has this ever worked? When has, has talking big and running your mouth, when has that ever, ever, ever worked in sports? And it's amazing how one game into the season, the Jets got all of that talk smacked right back into their face. It magnifies the, the problem. You know, like they have obviously some problems with the team, but because they talk this way about how great they were, it's a hundred times worse. It just is. Oh, yeah. Now, let's talk about the game a little bit on Monday night. They went into the game, a lot of energy in the crowd, but we're going to get to that later in the, in the RTU fun load because, again, our buddy Sam Pete, who's like, you know, he's like the world traveler. He's like, where's Waldo? He was at the game on Monday night. Where is Sam Pete? We don't know where he is right now. We know he was at the game on Monday night, and he's going to talk about the stadium experience, but they're kicking off a new, the new stadium. The Giants opened it the day before with a win on Sunday against the Panthers. Um, so the Jets had their opportunity, prime time, Monday night, seven early games. Everybody just gets home from work. Everybody's excited. We were tweeting back and forth all day about how excited we were to see the game. And then you saw the Jet offense. Well, if you remember, the, you know, the offense was terrible at the start, and uh, it set a nice tone that we all kind of expected. Their offense had never clicked throughout the whole preseason, but they get it the ball right back in great field position, and the minute they kick the field goal on that, after, after the huge sack and recovery, every Jet fan across the land basically said, uh, here we go. We're not going to win this game. I'm sorry. That's well, what I said. Well, that was the first play, the first play on defense for Baltimore, right? Yep when they sacked Flacco and they got the ball back. And now, now the place is going nuts. They just recovered the ball, defensive turnover in the Ravens zone. They're at the, what, where were they, like the 11? They, they were in the they, red zone. They were definitely in the red zone. And then they went, you know, you three and out. They, could, they didn't move the ball at all. Score there. You, you kicked the you field goal. You just have to score there. Absolutely. That would have set the tone for the game. It would have given Mark Sanchez and that offense a little more confidence, which they clearly had none. That whole game, let's be honest. They had no confidence in that game. Well, I don't know if they had no confidence. All I know is that Sanchez right now is not the type of quarterback who can sit in the pocket and just do, do what he wants. He basically takes one quick look downfield and gets scared because he doesn't want to throw four picks like he did last year um, and just, you know, basically checks down. That's what he is right now. He's a check down quarterback 
who basically has no confidence himself. I don't think the whole offense has no confidence. I think it's just Sanchez. Well, I, mean, I got two. I got two questions on that one. Uh, the first is how much of that is a result of the way Brian Schottenheimer de- uh, develops the game plan for him and and treats him as a quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't know, but I'll tell you this: I think a lot of this whole thing about the coordinator is blown out of proportion. It, listen, you put Peyton Manning with Brian Schottenheimer's game plan; he's going to do well. You know, he's a different quarterback. The problem is the quarterback. I'm sorry. Right. Jet fans have been talking about the offensive coordinator for years. You know, you know, years ago with Paul Hackett, the worst offensive coordinator ever. You know, I understand he wasn't great, but at some point you have to say it's the player. Well, I think I think it's a combination of the two because the player is following the plan that's set forth for him, and the plan that has been set forth for him clearly indicates that the coordinator has no trust in the quarterback. Uh, is that true, or is the Sanchez that's... just checking down too soon? Well. I... We don't. We don't know. You're right. We don't know that for a fact. As a, as a as a fan and as a viewer, as I watch it, I'm I'm looking at it as as both sides are equally to blame. Now, the other question I had for you, I was thinking about it this week, is we're in an era where the media is everywhere and people go crazy over over the littlest things. I mean, look. You would you would think the world was going to end over this one loss, and everybody blows every little thing out of proportion. Do you think, as a young quarterback now who has does not have a lot of experience, do you think he's fearful of making a mistake to the point where, like you said, he just he checks down on every play because he doesn't want to throw an interception? I, absolutely, absolutely. I think he's in a locker room where a team was built specifically to win this year. Last year, I think he felt, and he, rightfully so, that he cost them many, many losses. You know, And I he think did. he's saying to himself, if I don't perform, I'm the reason this team doesn't go to Super Bowl. And you know what, Cal? I've been saying that since day one. Yeah, you have so been that, saying that. And this team is going to go as far as Sanchez goes. And we, and we have to continue to remember, not that we should give him a pass for too much longer on this, but he's 23 years old. He's He's... You know, we watched five weeks of his antics during the summer on HBO. He's he's not the most mature 23-year-old out there. Would that be a good way to put it? Yeah, that's perfect. Antics, perfect, yes. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they were. Um, so you got to remember that about him. He's, he, and, here's, and the third thing, I was thinking about this all week. The third thing brings me to Rex Ryan. Maybe Rex Ryan needs to have a better handle on what kind of kid he's working with here. He probably should have re- re- realized that this kid can't handle criticism too well before he set him up to be the next Joe Namath. Yeah, I mean, listen, we could do a whole show on Rex Ryan and, and what he should and shouldn't say. You know, as far as, you know, another perfect example this week was him basically saying, oh, uh, Revis is going to cover Moss all game. I mean, come on, Rex. Do we have to give our entire defensive game plan away? Do we have to? Yeah, I mean, I got a problem with a lot of the stuff Rex Ryan says, and specifically the way he handled Sanchez. You know, this is a kid who's not really ready. He's in his second year. He needs to be handled very carefully. But at the same time, you know, they have for some reason, you know, not cult. You know, his 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 his, uh, his whole demeanor shows someone who has no confidence right now. Right, and we and and we've seen that his, his entire. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. We didn't see it last year during that run in the playoffs. He looked like a different quarterback. Yeah, I'm not really sure why that happened, actually. It was strange. Is that, and, just, and we, of, is that just a case of good matchups? I don't know, because, I mean, listen, he went into San Diego on the road 
in an AFC divisional playoff game last year, and, and he, he was very poised for, for a 22-year-old quarterback with, with 17 games under his belt. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think those two teams don't bring the pressure Baltimore does. I think, you know, I, I also think we're beating them beating up a little bit here. That's a very good defense he played this week. Oh, yeah, it's it, it, quite possibly the best defense in football. Um, and yeah, I mean, ev- everyone... Everyone's kind of been giving Baltimore a hard time because their secondary's not so great. But you know what? Their front, you know, seven is ridiculous. And, and, and Ray Lewis really, you know, backed up his words on Monday night. By the way, he made us, he made us second guess uh, the, the signing of Bart Scott instead of him, I'll tell you. Uh, I didn't yeah. even see Bart Scott that whole game. No, Bart Scott was invisible. Um, I thought Brian Thomas flashed a lot, though. I was very impressed with him. Oh, yeah, Brian Thomas had a great game. And even um, when Chris... And when Chris Jenkins went down, I thought Sione Puha played very well. And he did it last year, and he's going to have to do it again. I, you know, Jenkins, uh, you got to feel bad for the guy. You, you know? think? What do you think? You got to think his career is, is probably over, right? I can't. I can't imagine him doing the same thing next year. He was talking about retirement last year. Yeah, and then he came back, and you know, they they built this team to make a Super Bowl run, and he came. Yeah. He rehabbed to come back, and all. I, it's so funny. I've got the image. The lasting image of Chris Jenkins, if we if we don't see him play again, is not going to be him writhing around in pain at the New Meadowlands, but it's going to be him hysterically laughing as he was driving that golf cart around on hard knocks. <laughs> for some reason, actually, yeah. no, I was going to say uh, for some for some reason it, that stuck with me. Yeah, and unfortunately, what supersedes that is his uh, harassing of the uh, the, jet, uh, the sideline reporter. That that's going to probably be another lasting image. Well, I didn't see that, so I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen. Right. You, you have your own issues about that. We'll get into that later. Okay. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm started. I'm... <laughs> Motto. Just I'm... quote Steve Motto. Oh, Ming. You know, now, Cal, let me ask you a question here. The whole game I watched, you know, obviously as you did, uh, we watched Bolden just go nuts on the Jets. Now, I understand their reasoning that they were kind of working Revis back into the game, but why didn't they switch him to Bolden in the second half? You know, it's a good question. I mean, if they if they switch him to Bolden, then that leaves Mason open. And you're telling me you're telling me Derek Mason would have taken over that game the way Bolden did, really? I don't I don't know if he would have, but what I do know is that Antonio Cromartie and Kyle Wilson did not have a good game. And I don't know if they would have no. had a good game, regardless of who they were covering on Monday night. You know, there were 14 penalties in the game. Between the two of them, they, they had eight. You know? They did. Wilson not and Cromartie. With, no, not, not a good start. But again, let's, let's be fair to Kyle Wilson. I think they put him in a position that he wasn't ready for either. No, that, that's for sure. I mean, they, you know, obviously, to go back to Rex Ryan, I mean, they talked this kid up that he was he was basically equal to Revis. I mean, he was that good. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe it's time to, to back off a little bit on, on, this, on this bluster. And, and you know, Sanchez, it's, it's, you know, it's been ingrained in them to talk like this because Mark Sanchez was in an interview, I forget it was yesterday or today. I don't know if it was on the heels of him criticizing Joe Namath, which is uh-huh. a smart move. But um, he, he says, you know what, it's one game, and we could still go 15-1. and one. Okay. Oh, my goodness. They just don't I stop. Listen, I, I think that's the way the kid is. I mean, he's, he's a 
cocky California kid. He's confident. He wants to try to portray the images that Rex Ryan and everybody in the team is doing. But just give it a rest. I mean, just play. You know, just play. How about just playing? You know? Yeah, but, he, you know, he's cocky, but he's soft a little bit. No? Yeah, he, he, he's a little soft. You know, listen, I, I love the guy. I want to believe in him. I got my, I wore my Sanchez jersey. jersey. Believe me, I did. Um, but uh, I believe you. He, he's got a – the whole thing with him and a lot of quarterbacks is body language. And he walks into that huddle sometimes, and it's just it – just, he does not look like someone who could take over a game. And that, that – the whole team feeds off that. One eight seven seven four zero four zero eight two zero. That's the number to call to join Cal. That's me, Brian Calvi, and Doctor E Ray Stat on Ready to Unload. We're talking about the Jets right now. We're going to get into the Giants a little bit later on in the program, and then do a little quick run around the NFL because it was a it was an interesting first week as they usually are, huh, Doctor E Ray? Yeah, I mean, come on, it's football season. This is so exciting. I just yeah. I love everything about it. Just the fact that football was back was, was, was great. Now, uh, let's go back to the Jets a little bit because we need to look ahead towards this week. You, could, you, could you have scripted a worse opponent to come in on the heels of the disaster of Monday night? Did you catch any of the game? The uh, uh, yeah. Pats Bengals? I yeah, did. I watched that. That was, that was a pretty impressive showing there. And I, and I guess Wes Welker's healthy, huh? Yeah, he looks like, he looks like he's okay. Yeah, I mean that was just a dominating performance. I mean, I think it was twenty-eight nothing at one point. It was uh, they, the Bengals had no chance. The Patriots clearly look like their offense is in full force. Uh, listen, the truth is, the Patriots are going to score a little bit, you know, against the Jets. I have no doubt about that. The problem is, is that the Jets have no offense right now. Did you feel that the Pats' defense was impressive? I wasn't. I wasn't that impressed with the Pats' defense. I, I liked them early. But, you know, they gave up a lot of points late, but they were kind of like garbage points. They didn't really bother. I wasn't that impressed with the pass defense. Well, they got a bunch of turnovers, and they dropped a bunch of other interception potential, you know, passes from Palmer. They harassed him. I, mean, I was actually pretty impressed. I, I think that everyone has been talking about how horrible this New England defense is and how it's going to basically hold them back. Listen, they're going to score 20-plus points a game every week. The defense just has to do a little bit, and I think that they are good enough. This, this is a bad matchup for the Jets. Yeah, it's definitely a bad matchup because they're going to need to score. They're not going to be—they're not going to hold the Patriots to under 20 points. I don't think in this game. Now, now, obviously, if I was in my usual position, I would normally be looking up stats right now because I really would like to see what Wes Welker's stats are against the Jets the last season. Against the Jets? Oh, I'm I sure mean, they're ridiculous. I mean, I'm not kidding. He could have 20 catches this week because you know Revis is going to blanket Moss. Brady will never throw in that direction because he's not stupid. And he's just he's just gonna you know, Welker's gonna go off. Oh, Wel- Welker's gonna go off, the tight ends are gonna go off. Um they have I don't you know, even know who the third receiver. Who, who is it? For Washington for New England? I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. I don't think I don't think they have a real big third receiver. I think they're I, mean, they're, I guess I guess Kevin Falk is kind of their third receiver out of the Kevin Falk out of the backfield. I think the tight ends are a huge uh, a huge option I, for Brady. And how about Fred Taylor? Unbelievable. The guy's still going. Man, it's, I mean, it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt, but, but, but the Patriots should just ride him as long as they can. You know? Yeah, well, you know they gave up uh, Lawrence Maroney this week. They traded him uh, to Denver. Right. Uh, you know, it seems that all of Belichick's, uh, you know, protégés will take whatever scraps he leaves. Um, clearly, he did not turn out to be the first-round draft pick they wanted. 
they're going to go with uh, Fred Taylor, Sammy Morris, Kevin Falk on third down, and then you got the, the greatest nickname of any running back in the NFL, the law firm, Ben Jarvis <laughs> Green-Ellis. That's great. The law firm of Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. Um, oh, yeah, the, the Patriots are a, are a bad matchup, and... You know, before the season, we looked at the schedule, and we and we looked at the way the Jets came out of the gate with the games against Baltimore, New England, Miami, and then the fourth game was, uh, was that Minnesota? Yes, I think so. Okay. So the first four games, the first quarter of the season was a tough, tough way to start the season. Now, if they were to lose on Sunday against the Patriots, they'd fall to 0-2, they'd fall to two games back in the division, then they have to go on the road to a really tough Miami team next Sunday night. We could where they never play well. Where they never play well. I'm, I'm. And you basically got any wait, Cal. Fourth week is you have to go into Buffalo, where again they never play well. Oh, I'm sorry. Then that's right. The Minnesota at home. Then you have Minnesota at home, and you got Denver on the road. I mean, Cal, where are they going to win? <laughs> Tell me where they're winning. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jet fan, obviously, and I'm built to panic. But uh, where, where, tell me where there's an easy win there. Now, obviously, Buffalo's terrible. But the Jets have lost the bad Buffalo teams in Buffalo so many times. There's no easy win at all in those first six games. None at all. They, I mean, if they went 0-6, it wouldn't surprise me. Could you, I mean, seriously, could you imagine? I can't imagine. I mean, if they go 0-6, I don't think they will. I think they'll probably beat Buffalo. They'll probably beat Denver. Um, although, you know... Who knows? If they go two and four into the bye week, I mean, I mean, I think I think Rex's job is in jeopardy at that point. I know they love him, but don't you think? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think his job will be in jeopardy at any point this year. Well, well, Cal, let's say they go two and four. They come out of the bye week. Guess who they got? They got Green Bay. Okay, they could be out of the playoff picture by the eighth week. By Halloween. Yep. By Halloween. Oh, you love it. You I love, love it. Halloween. I love the fact that they play on Halloween this year, too. Oh, man. Wow. I, I have suddenly just depressed myself. Yeah, if, if you, if you kind of lay it out, if you're a Jet fan and you're looking at the schedule and you're thinking about what's going on, oh, by the way, um, uh, Jarrell Rivas hurt his hamstring today in practice, too. Yeah. While we're, while we're yes. at it. Awesome. Awesome news. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, Rivas with the holdout. He held out for 30-some-odd days. I don't know. What is it? 30, was it 36 days that he held out? Yes, I think so. I forget what the exact number was. It was 30-something of, of, of Revis Watch. He comes back, didn't get a lot of action on Monday night, and now uh, talking again, again talking this week, talking well, about uh, Moss still being a slouch. He made those comments last year, didn't back down from them this year. And uh, then he goes out and pulls his hamstring today. Yeah, I know. I I actually thought his quotes were pretty funny because, you know, he basically said Moss played like a slouch in the first meeting that they had. Um, but he was very quick to say, oh, oh, but he played great the next time. Dude, you, you can't do that, okay? You can't say stuff like that. It comes back and bites you. It just does. This Patriots team is going to be ready to play. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and remember, in the same exact spot last year, Patriots came into, into the Meadowlands, Giant Stadium last year, uh, the second week of the season, and the Jets, um, the Jets beat them twenty to nine, and it was really like the Super Bowl. The atmosphere at the stadium last year was unbelievable. The the, the crowd got up for the game, the team got up for the game, and uh, Brady was just coming back off of injury. They beat them twenty to nine. 
I don't see the Patriots coming into this game in the same position that they were this time last year. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing I've been, I, I've been meaning to bring this up, the Jet defensive philosophy of all-out blitz, I, I can't take it anymore, okay? Because, you know what, against a team like, you know, with Joe Flacco, who's a little bit young still, you know, it didn't work, okay? It didn't even work. Brady, when he's healthy, is going to pick apart this defense like he did in their second meeting. It's going to be a disaster if Rex continues to send the all-out blitzes. And the problem is, is he's not getting any pressure from his front four. But, you know, you can't send the house on a guy like Brady. He's going to pick you apart. And you can't send the house when you've got a guy like Kyle Wilson protecting in the back, in the, in the, back, in the secondary. He's not ready for well, it yet. I, I used to think that a lot of what Rex Ryan said about his defense was just bravado and just kind of pumping his players up. But I think he actually says everything that he's going to do. <laughs> and I don't really think that's a great idea. <laughs> he uses the old reverse psychology trick where the other person is thinking, he, he didn't actually just give away his game plan, did he? Yeah, and they make, I, and I they, would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if certain points during the game he just yells out, here's a blitz coming. <laughs> I swear to God, I, I, have not, I would not be surprised if that happened. That's we're going to do a blitz. We're going to blitz we're gonna, coming here. Let's see you stop it. We're going to send seven guys because they're the best seven guys in the history of the NFL and all that kind of stuff. And here they come. And I really believe that that's what's going to happen. Wow, your Rex Ryan sounds a little bit like your uh, Mike Francesa. <laughs> that's ironic. They don't, they don't get along. Wow, that's ironic considering what uh, Francesa has been talking all week about. Oh boy, let's not, yeah, let's well, not even get into that. We can't even go there, but um, yeah, I just I don't know. I'm I'm concerned. I think that now on the flip side, and you know, just a couple more things on the Jets, and then we'll move on to the Giants. Again, the number one eight seven seven four zero four zero eight two zero. Give us a call. Um, well done. Thank you. On the flip side, I think that if the Jets somehow pull out a strong performance on Sunday, it'll be even that more impressive. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Well, obviously. I, I, obviously it will. And I, I'm sorry, but I just can't see them putting together an offense in, in six days when they had the entire offseason and training camp to do that. Yeah, nobody, nobody's I really... Just don't, I just don't see heaven. You know, and then, then obviously, you know, we could spend another ten minutes talking about, you know, Sean Green basically, uh, you know, being pulled from the game and not re- being reinserted back in and, now, basically, we're left with Lavania Tomlinson, who did not have a good season last year as our starting running back at this point. No, but you know, I, of, of the bright spots, the few bright spots from Monday night I thought was Tomlinson. I thought his legs looked really fresh. He looked good. Let's see how, how long is it going to last, though. Yeah, well, that's... Running backs, as they get older, they wear down. Well, that's the thing, and the same thing with Jason Taylor. You know, you're asking Jason Taylor to take on a much larger role than you wanted him to. You're asking Tomlinson to take on a much larger role than you wanted him to. Um, are you pushing the envelope with these guys? I don't know. And what about, I think and, you are. And what about the rumor that I've seen it in a couple of circles, and it hasn't exactly been shot down completely about Albert Hainsworth being being brought in. Oh, God, I really, really don't want that. I really Can you don't imagine? Want, I mean, obviously he fills a need, but... It, I just don't think the Jets need another gigantic, and I mean that figuratively and literally, uh, personality in the locker room. I just don't think so. And well, the fact that he doesn't want to play nose tackle, why would why would they want to bring a guy in that doesn't want to oh, play nose tackle? Let's do that. Let's bring him in. 
Listen, they, they had a, a top defense without him last year. They have an ability to play without him. They, the pieces are there on defense. I'm not worried about the defense. By the way, they held Baltimore at 10 points, okay? You know, I think the offense is the problem. And we need to see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. The so offense, let's, let's, move on to, let's move on to an offense that was clicking a little bit last week, the New York wow. Football Giants. Dr. Segway tonight. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm taking over that role. Listen, you're, you're the Sam Pete role. I'm taking over Dr. Segway. That's, you know, that's why we're so successful on the show. We have depth, you know? <laughs> We got a deep bench. Watch, watch. Here I go again. Much like the Giants' running back core. Well done. Let's talk about let's talk about the Giants and the number to call. I'm throwing it out there again. One eight seven seven four zero four zero eight two zero. You want to call in and talk about the Jets? We'll go back to the Jets. You want to call in and talk about the Giants? We're going to talk about them right now. How about those Giants? How about the G-Men on Sunday at the Meadowlands? Well done. By the way, before we get into the Giants, maybe we can get a Giant call to, to chime in on this, because I've been, I've been wondering about this. When did the Panthers become their rivals? I understand they've had some you know, big games, but that's all I read about up to the week before this game. Well, I, I, think, I think the John Fox effect is one thing. Ah, that right? certainly is, you know, plays a role, sure. You've got John Fox. So they've, had You've got... Big, they've had some big playoff games. And they've had some, some big... very important regular season games. Yes, I mean, the, the Panthers embarrassed them in their Giant Stadium finale last year. I think the fact that they have two Steve Smiths contributes <laughs> to the rivalry. That certainly does help. And uh, yeah. it's amazing how in fantasy football leagues, if you had said Steve Smith for the Giants uh, by accident in the second round a couple of years back, you'd have been laughed at. I, now, I would not so, not so funny. I would love to know the guy that drafted the wrong Steve Smith, Mike Williams, and Adrian Peterson. You think he's looking at his team right now going, what did I do? <laughs> he probably had a buddy go draft for him, and he wrote the names down for him. <laughs> and the guy comes back and he says, oh, dude, I got you all your guys. Take a look. And which, you know, which guys did he get? Oh, man. Although, 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 I, don't have, I, have no, I have no sympathy for him because he should have been at his draft. You know oh, how no. I feel about this. Oh, I, yeah. Well, that's 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 a topic for another day. Is you know, be at the draft, All right? Exactly. Twice a year, football and baseball. That's all that matters, you know. Twice a year. You'd be there if your kid was being born, right? There you go. And that doesn't happen twice twice a year. Hopefully, thank well, God, thank goodness. Unless unless of course you are Antonio Cromartie. And we move on to the Giants. <laughs> So the Giants at Rainy Meadowlands on Sunday. It was uh, it was an interesting game. I wasn't thoroughly impressed with the Giants early, but I thought they they kind of settled in a little bit in the second half and and they clicked. And, and Eli Manning, I think, has found a new favorite target in Hakeem Nix. You know what? I don't think so. I, I, he certainly used him a lot and scored three touchdowns. Obviously, he had a great game. I like Eli Manning a lot because I think that he doesn't cue into a receiver. I, obviously, I think he goes to the guy that's open. And last year, obviously, in the beginning, it was Steve Smith. All day long, Steve Smith. And I think he noticed there was some shift in coverage toward, toward Smith, and he just went for the open guy, and that was Nix. Well, but I think I, I think he likes Nix. I think Nix can be a factor in that well, offense. Nix, Absolutely. Nix, you know, and I think, I think you're going to see a lot more. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't take a soothsayer to predict that Knicks is going to have a better season after watching him on, on, uh, on Sunday. But I think that having Knicks as that legitimate option is going to give 
Eli Manning a lot more uh, a lot more weapons to work with. No, certainly his maturation is, is huge. You got Nick Smith and Manningham now. You got a pretty good receiving core. The only yeah. problem is the, 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 their tight ends just can't stay healthy. No, nah, Kevin Boss got hurt. He had he had a concussion. On uh, I mean, this is his, I think this is what his third concussion since he's been in the league. Yeah, that's and you know that, that that's that's oh, the hot you, topic right now. You got to start talking about retiring at this point, don't you? Yeah, I, I mean, if, I mean, from a medical standpoint, obviously he won't because that's not what happens. But I mean, three concussions. I mean, they're starting to show data now that says that these concussions really play a toll on on people later in life. And right. I just can't, I just can't see. Obviously, this is his livelihood, but you know, you're talking about your head, kind of important. Yeah, well, it's it's a, it's kind of sensitive up there, and you think it's amazing to think back at some of the uh, some of the old players because they didn't. Nowadays, they 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 diagnose concussions a lot quicker than they would have in the past. Here, look at me. I'm talking to a doctor about medical well, I mean, information. That's the way it is with a lot of medical conditions. You hear more about them because we detect them more. Um, and certainly our ability to detect concussions and, and the effects afterwards um, has gone up. So you see a lot more of them. And I think that the effects afterwards are pretty dangerous. I mean, that's, that's obvious. Yeah, um, you got to be worried for Kevin Boss. Now, who who is the um, who's the tight end that they signed from the practice squad? His name is Bear. Uh, Bear Pasco. Bear Pasco. Greatest, uh, greatest football name in the past ten years. What a, what a terrific name! Oh man, I hope he's good. I just I hope that we I hope we've just ushered in the Bear Pasco era here in New York. <laughs> My God, could you imagine how popular a guy named Bear Pasco would be if he was even remotely good? You know, he's, uh, I'm actually I actually just <laughs> I hope he is. I just looked him up. His real real first name is McKenna. McKenna Bear Pasco. Fantastic. McKenna. So is Bear his middle name? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's his God-given middle name, but it's it's uh, it's his nickname, I would imagine. Or is it his maiden name? Now I would think a, a guy named Bear would be you know, from probably the you know the, the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, or Alaska. Yeah, watch, he's from, from uh, Southern California. <laughs> he's from Porterville, Southern California. Well, is he uh, really? Yes, he is. San Joaquin Valley. Ah, right. He's he's a Valley kid named Bear. He's That's a valley kid, yes. Well, he, well, I'm wondering, he did go to, um, he's from California, maybe, uh, I, I have no idea where this comes from. I can't even think of a, uh, he's well, a big I'll guy, give, I guess. I'll give, I'll, give you, I'll give you the angle here. California, the, Cal, the, the mascot of the Cal, California team is the Golden Bears, right? That's what, that's what I was going to say, but I wasn't so sure. I don't know my mascot that well. I'm, I, does. I don't know if that's why, but I'm, I'm going to speculate. Why not? I'm going to go with a 6'5", 260 frame, probably. You know kid. what? We can get away with this stuff with Sam Pete not here. <laughs> you know? That's right. God, I, I hope we're not alienating our Southern California audience right now. I really hope not. Well, no. Why? We're talking. We're talking very favorably about Southern California, That's although true. we didn't really we didn't really talk too favorably okay. about Sanchez. No, not good point. No. So Bear but, Pasco gets his shot. Here, here it is. So Bear Pasco, Bear big Holmes, shot those, Sunday Holmes night against with those paws. Grab <laughs> hold with those oh boy. claws and don't let go. <laughs> Swat them around like a like a fish in the water. So you know, the one thing that I, I'll tell you, just to go back to the game, I was pretty impressed with the Giants' defense. I mean, they held a, a very good tandem running back court to to 
basically only uh, you know about 80 yards between them. Yeah, I liked I liked what I saw out of that, out of that front line. Um, I think Kenny Phillips was certainly certainly you could see how they missed him last year. Kenny Phillips came back and, and he made a difference. You and Sam Peterson saying it from, the, from day one that we've been doing covering football on the show. Kenny Phillips is huge for the Giants' success this year. He you know he's he's kind of the guy that's going to make a difference in that secondary, and I I think having him back is absolutely huge. Now that being said, I think the fact that they uh, went against Matt Moore who probably was the only quarterback that looked worse than Mark Sanchez this weekend. Yeah, he'd have a good day. Um, they I think bad. Some other, I think some other quarterbacks around the league would, would you know, be able to <laughs> argue that a little bit. But Matt Moore was not good. But you know what? It's surprising to me that, that this team basically said Matt Moore is our guy. And, yeah. you know, didn't go after anybody like a McNabb or Jason Campbell. Matt Moore was their guy. They were happy with him. They drafted their potential guy in Jimmy Clausen, you know, but Matt Moore's the guy. Okay. It's weird, but you, you're right, because it's weird. John Fox, you know, in a lot of circles, you'll hear that John Fox is on the hot seat. You know, John Fox has to have a big year to save his job. And they didn't really provide him with the best tools to save his job, if you think about it, unless they really believed in Matt Moore and he just had a bad game. Um, I, I don't know. Honestly, I, maybe they really believed in him. I mean, he certainly had a good stretch of games toward the end of the year last year, which is probably why they stayed with him. Well, uh, but uh, boy, he did not look good. No, he looked he looked bad. He had a concussion also, though. So I mean, a lot of concussions oh. around the league this weekend. And now, now Clawson's the number one over there. Uh, I don't know if Clawson's going to start on Sunday, um, but I do know that Moore had a concussion. They they diagnosed him with a concussion on Monday after the fact, which you know. A lot of people did kind of go, oh, well, that makes sense now. That's what <laughs> happened. Um, was he concussed before the game? Uh, he he may use that defense because you'd have to be concussed to throw that interception in the end zone that he threw in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, he was he was falling down, and he threw into triple coverage. And I mean, at one point, he threw into five. He threw into five guys in the first quarter. He threw a ball. I forget who he was trying to hit, but there were five giants around the the receiver. I just like saying concussed. Concussed, like as a verb. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fun word to say. It is fun. Like, oh, geez, I, I'm so sorry that I didn't get my my work in on time. I was concussed. I like that. You could also use it like as if you were threatening someone. I, I'm going to concuss you. Right? <laughs> Are you shaking your fist? And stroking your mustache while you say that? Um, yeah, I'm waving my finger in your face, and um, it's not. I'm gonna. Con- I'm. I'm a concuss you. That's what I'm. I'm a. Do. <laughs> I, that's I'm a. I'm a concuss you. I like it. I'm, I'm a well, let, let's take a look. at the Giants get the win in week one. Uh, now they go to they go to Indy, yeah. and for the battle of the Mannings, the the annual battle of the Mannings. So you gotta love it. Well, it's um, not. It's not. It wouldn't what, be annual. It would be whatever every four years would be, like maybe the presidential battle of the Mannings. You got. There you go, embarrassing me on national radio again. Thanks. Well, I'm not embarrassing you. Every <laughs> four years, they've only met well, one cer- before. Cer- certainly, this is a uh, this is a huge game for the Giants. Already week two, um, to go into Indy and see, you know, basically show what they can do. Indy lost a tough game against Houston, who could finally be for real this year. We'll well, we been- a little bit later. Yeah, we've been waiting for them to do their to do what they need to against Indianapolis, and they finally did on Sunday. 
Yes, they did. Now, Indy should be ready to go for this one at home. Uh, what do you see this week coming up uh, for the Giants? I, I cannot, for the life of me, any way that I look at this game, and I can analyze it, and I can look at statistics, and I can look at game plans, and I can figure out you know, who Archie Manning is going to root for and who Cooper Manning is going to root for and the lovely wife, I, I forget her name, who they're going to root for. When I look at this from seven ways to Sunday, I'll just throw that in there, I cannot see Peyton Manning losing this game. I can't. As. Yeah, this is the ideal type of game for Manning. And you know how he is on the night game on Sunday night as as my fantasy teams over the years with Dallas Clark have, have reaped the benefits. And this is his perfect setup for a win. He lost last week. He's at home. It's a night game. Uh, I think Indy takes this one. And I think, I think it takes, they take it big. But, you know, we'll see. Giants, Giants could be better than we think. Yeah, that whole division is a little bit on end from what I thought it would be. Just after week one, you know, basically you got Washington, the Giants winning in week one, and you got the Eagles and Dallas losing. Right, and and we'll we'll get into the Washington Dallas game because that was another. Uh, that was I don't know if you watched that game on Sunday night. That was amazing. As I didn't a, catch that one. Uh, well, I'll I'll, I'll I had to give up football. You had to give up football. Just at some point, I had to start doing some things uh, around the house. See, I had a uh, there was a craft fair in town, so I, I you know I was the beneficiary of of the house being free for most of the day. Oh, uh, that's right. We talked about that. What a perfect setup for week one. It was oh, great. Man. And also, and also, I told you about this. I have Direct TV, and for the first week of every football Sunday, every football season, the first Sunday they give you a free preview of the Sunday ticket. So on the one week where I had the house to myself for most of the day, I also had access to all of the games. That's fantastic. Now, let's talk about this for a second, Cal. What's to stop you from just dropping a few hints about another craft fair being available this Sunday? Well, well I'm sure... Why don't you start planting that seed now? The kids, I'm sure, had a great time. Maybe they want to go again. All, I'm sure if I scour the community bulletins across Long Island, I could find a craft fair every week. Uh, sure, I could. Now we're talking. Now we're but, talking. Um, I, have, I, have, I have barked up the Sunday ticket tree enough times to know that I am never getting the Sunday ticket. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but for one glorious week, it was, uh, it was magical, I have to say. Yeah, that's, that's a, that, that is heaven. You know, it's got... Well, let me ask you a question. When you when you you saw a lot of the games this week, then so let me ask you a question about what you what teams impressed you this week? What teams impressed me this week? And the games that I was watching, New England certainly impressed me. They they looked dominant. Um, Tennessee looked unbelievable against Oakland. Now Oakland looked bad, but Tennessee looked good. It, was, I, it wasn't just that Oakland Oakland didn't show up. Tennessee really had a had a great game. Chris Johnson was his usual self. Um, Vince Young has, has, a, has a deep threat now in Nate Washington that he, you know, he hit Nate Washington for a long touchdown in that game and Tennessee, just, they just look solid on, on Sunday Yeah, and Vince Young basically did exactly uh, what he does best he, he didn't throw a lot when he, when he did throw, he completed passes he moved around the pocket um, Chris Johnson is, is unbelievable I mean, he is just incredible that, yeah, that I mean, Tennessee team 
is better than I thought it would be, and I thought they were going to be good. Yeah, they're 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 going to be they're going to have a great year this year. And there was some debate a little you know a couple of weeks ago about between Chris Johnson and Adrian Peterson, who's the best running back? And, and Adrian Peterson says it's him, and Chris Johnson says it's Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson is the best running back in the NFL, hands down. You know, like they, and and Lovely. yeah, and you know they have they have they have the offensive line. That, that that really helps them out. You know, they're after, they were pushing the front the front line of Oakland around all afternoon on Sunday. I mean, that's the key. I mean, often you know, often said uh, when talking about NFL, they got to control the lines. You really do. So now, let me ask you a question: Who else uh, did you did you did you catch a Pittsburgh? How about uh, New Orleans or Green Bay? These are the favorites. What do you think? Well, we well we watched New, we watched New Orleans on Thursday night, and um, which we we haven't talked about that yet. The first game of the season, Thursday night, New Orleans and Minnesota. The um, the Saints, the Saints didn't impress me that much. I got to be honest. Yeah, well, I, again, here's another situation where of, of basically two very good teams uh, play each other, and, and Minnesota's got a very good defense. So I don't know if you basically say the Saints are different this year. I think they just ran into a team with a very good defense who also had a lot to play for because you know revenge factor. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans just goes off this week. Uh, well, they're going to be in San Francisco on Monday night, and they're retiring Jerry Rice's jersey on Monday night in San Francisco. So I'm just throwing that out there as an intangible emotional effect to the game. Hmm. So you're basically and, saying that that's going to rile up the, the, the 49ers. Huh? So you, you think of the 49ers who look so bad. I mean, really, really bad in week one. You think they got a chance in that game? No, not at all. I'm just saying. It's a... <laughs> it's a uh, you, just like, you just like start it up. I like it. Look, there's one thing that I've learned about emotion. You know, you, you, think, you think about, like, the Saints. Saints are opening the season at home. They're raising the Super Bowl banner. They're, they, the fans are going crazy. Same thing with the Jets. The Giants. Every... every emotional aspect of a game that you could think of. That emotion, I've learned, is over within five minutes. Because the fans, the fans expend all their energy at the beginning of, of the game, and then whatever emotional boost there is, you see initially. And if that other team can withstand it, depending, it doesn't matter who the team is, but if the opposing team or the visiting team can withstand that initial burst of emotion and just settle the crowd down, it, the, you know, it becomes a whole, a whole different game. So I don't put a lot of stock into that emotional aspect. Yeah, no, I, I, totally, I, I agree with you. I think that, that a lot of that is, uh, is overblown. <clears throat> I think that they definitely, the, after the first few minutes, everyone kind of gets deflated, and then it just boils down to, you know, uh, you know who's going to win the game. Um, now let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Who looked really bad this week? Well, the 49ers looked really bad. Um, well, that's a terrible. I, I mean, I, I can't believe Seattle won that game. I I, I thought Seattle had to be one of the worst teams in the league. I really did. I yeah, I thought Seattle was going to be horrible. Um, San, but you know, Seattle didn't look great. San Francisco looked horrible. And uh, Pete, and welcome back to the NFL, Pete Carroll, who uh, made an idiot out of himself uh, upon his return to the NFL. <laughs> I missed it. What did he do? He was just—he was running around like a lunatic, like he was still coaching a college team, jump, running on the field, jumping on guys, patting them on the head. I mean, the typical Pete Carroll emotion. But um, 
he just he was just an idiot. Yeah, I tell you, man, that, he's not a dumb guy though. He got out of USC at the right time. No, he's he, smart. He knew he was riding on the wall. He knew exactly what to do. Yeah, he did. He got out definitely at the right time. You know, the, the one thing. That I, I don't think about. he was waiting his whole life for the sea, for the Seahawks job. I just don't think so. <laughs> A team, a team with no no stud running back or quarterback. Yeah, no, and then they and right. then they trade their wide receiver in in preseason. Yeah, that's that's the, that that was his dream job. Um, the one the one thing that I I was thinking about today also was look at a lot of the bef- before the season started, which was really only a week ago. But if you look at the at the consensus picks to make the playoffs in both leagues, think about some of the teams that you would have. No, no doubt, just a lock to make the playoffs. You would have, you would have said the Colts, the Chargers, right. uh, the Jets, even the 49ers in the in the in the a- NFC. Um, oh, there's a, there's another team. My, my point. You could even you could even say uh, the Bengals. You could even say Atlanta. These are or Dallas. Dallas, that was the team. Dallas. Yeah. The, the the common theme there is that I wonder if. These teams didn't go into the first game of the season not as sharp as they should have been because they believed the hype that was written about them. What do you what do you think about that? I think it's probably true, and also perhaps they were shooting a reality show during training camp. <laughs> maybe maybe that could have affected things a little bit. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. Maybe you think I, I, you don't I, think I, they I, were I, focusing on on preparing for the season? No, no. I think they were focusing on uh, uh, a certain uh, Spanish-speaking reporter's backside for a lot of the camp, it seems. <laughs> running, apparently, apparently running plays towards her is very good for preparing for, for a week of football. You know, if they would have run one of those plays in the game, they might have scored. They might have scored. <laughs> you know? Maybe, 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 maybe they need. Maybe that's what they need to do. They need to have have her walk down the sideline and then just run the play towards her. Uh, I'll tell you, man. Uh, don't get me started. Anyway, right, well, uh, you know, maybe in, instead of um, they were like, ah, we don't we don't really need to to study Baltimore's schemes for week one. Instead, let's go fill up the quarterback's car with styrofoam peanuts. That's probably a better <laughs> use of our time. They do that. They did that on, on Hard Knocks. You didn't uh, see I, that missed the last, I missed the last two episodes. It just got too difficult for me. I am not a fan of that. Uh, I love yeah. the show, believe me, but I love the show when it's not my team. So apparently Mark Sanchez likes to play pranks on the team, and um, like Brian Schottenheimer was saying, <laughs> and again, this is a look into the mind and, and the, the wit of Mark Sanchez. He thinks it's funny to draw mustaches on on the children of Brian Schottenheimer and his family photos. Hysterical. <laughs> so uh so Brian Schottenheimer decided he needed to pay him back and they uh they filled his his, his truck I don't know what kind of truck it was an SUV. Uh they filled it with, with styrofoam packing peanuts. That's awesome. And, and hilarity ensued. Yeah, certainly. I wish they had spent that time that they had collecting styrofoam peanuts and formulating some sort of game plan against Baltimore. Would have been great. Would have been awesome. Well, they didn't do that. But 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 just No, go ahead. No, we can't we can't keep going back to them because we could we could just go on all night. 
We could, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunities over the next 16 weeks to, to do this. <laughs> yes, because um, as, as we've, we've already predicted two and four, or zero oh and six as the only two possibilities for the next. That's season. right. Right. The, the optimistic view would be two and four. Yeah. Um, but just going back to the point, and, and so you agree with that, that, that some of these teams maybe weren't as prepared as they should have been for, for the first week. I, I think that the, every year you see this. Every year you see teams that clearly are ready to play and teams that aren't. And, and it's something that I always remember with the Parcells teams. Parcells team, coach teams, always were ready to play right away. Um, and then there were certain teams like the Herm Edwards teams, which never were ready to go. It, it just seemed like certain teams know how to get ready and some don't. And I, I, you see that every year, you know, like, like Buffalo. They, they, they're just never going to come out of the, the, the shoot hot. It's not so, you put, so you put that on the coaching staff more than the players then? I think a lot of it has to do with preparation. I think it's more than we as fans realize. Okay. I could see that. Uh, the number to call, one eight seven seven four zero four zero eight two zero. We're talking NFL right now on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. But there is no Sam Pete. It's Cal and Dr. E. Ray Stat. Sam Pete is the victim of a natural disaster tonight. <laughs> All right. Let's not make it sound so dramatic like uh, a cheesy movie. No, but I actually did just get an update. Steve did return to his home finally to find a 40-foot tree in the driveway. So, oh, jeez. Uh, he is, he is not uh, making this stuff up, folks. There was a uh, possibly pseudo-tornado touching down in Queens tonight, apparently right on Steve's house. Oh, my goodness. But everybody's okay. Is that, can we report yeah, that? Every, everybody, everybody seems to be okay, and uh, uh, I believe the power is still out. So I, I'm not sure if we're going to be getting to the uh, seaside. Hopefully he'll call in soon. Hopefully. Now, you know, not for nothing, he doesn't need power to use his cell phone. That's true. So you're basically putting the onus on him that he must call. I like it. I'm just saying, you know, everybody's everybody's okay. There's no lights. There's nothing else he can do. Why not come give us a call? You get home, power's out. What are you going to do? First thing you should do after looking around and making sure everything's okay is call into the radio show. I love it. Yeah, because what are you going to do? The first thing you would have done was was log on to the computer and check your fantasy scores or or something like right. that, right? So that's out. So that's out. So what's he going to? You know, he's not going to watch TV. You know, Mad Men's not on tonight. Nope. So he can't he's, watch that. His favorite show of all time. That's out. Right. He's not going to read. No, even though he is a big reader, he's just not going to do it. He's had a long day. He's an avid reader, I would say. He's an avid, big time reader. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to. Take a look around, you know, make sure his wife's, uh, you know, comfortable, and then uh, call in. So hopefully we'll, he'll get us soon. And, maybe we'll uh, catch him. Maybe, yeah, we'll catch him maybe oh, after the top of the hour, which is coming up. Oh, I love it. Um, you know, we probably, should, yeah, at this point, should probably move away from football a little bit. I, I don't know what else. Is there anything else you want to say about the, uh, what you know, what, what many believe is the new national pastime of our country? Well, the, the only thing I was, I was gonna say about about football was just just that um the first week of the football season is just you, there's just such a different feeling in the air you know um this week here in here in New York the weather was a little cooler um it was a clear sign that summer is long gone and uh and football is football is right, is is here it's 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 so popular now especially here in New York you got the giants and the jets the Jets have been hyped up so much. The Giants actually, 
one of the few times you'll see the Giants fly under the radar, you know, and yeah. they're flying under the radar, and they, they could quietly have a good season, you know? Well, I think last year was an aberration. I think they had a very good team you know, the year before. I think last year was just a little bit uh, unusual for them. I think their team's very good. We'll see what happens. I, I, and the other thing you have to mention, though, Cal, is obviously being in New York, we, we don't care about college football. Sorry, we just don't. There isn't no. a college football team that, that we, any of us really root for unless we went to a school that has a big college program. So it's basically football right now and baseball playoffs. That's right. really it. And it's, and, it's, and it's NFL. It's not really college. I mean, now there are... Please, this is, not me- this is not meant to disparage anybody who's listening that's a fan of college football because college football does have its place in sports and, and it can be extremely exciting. And, you know, as a sports fan, I, I have no problem watching a college football game that, that is exciting. Um, a couple of years back here locally in, in our area, Rutgers actually made a run with Ray Rice. Ray Rice was the running back for Rutgers at that point. And uh, it was incredibly exciting, you know. It's just, it's just, it, it's a rare occurrence for a college football game to kind of grab the attention of of our area. Right. Obviously, anybody who's listening to the show from outside of New York is saying to themselves, "These guys are excited about Rutgers. They obviously don't care about college football." <laughs> and I, 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 and I'll be the first to tell you, I could care less, honestly. Like, I'll, I'll watch a big game. Um, I watched a little bit of Notre Dame, Michigan, just, you know, just to see what happened. I, I just don't care. I, I didn't go to a big football, a college football school. It's just not my thing. But I get it. I totally get it. I get the oh. excitement you know, that people you know, experience. Absolutely. And, and I, I sort of envy the diehard college football fans who are big NFL fans because they get, they get both days of the weekend of just huge football action. Right. Right, but you know what? I want to mention this real quick because this is so important. I can't get into college football. The number one reason, by far and away, is, is the playoff system. It's number one. Because I didn't go to a college basketball school, you know, that was gigantic. Yet I love college basketball because of the way the playoff system is set up. If college football had something like that, I would be totally into it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, a, that's an excellent point because it's just so darn confusing. You know, there's so many teams. First of all, there's so many teams that, that are in the mix. And... When you get to the end of the season, and then, number two, the season ends before Thanksgiving, and then they don't play again for, like, six weeks. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. I can't stand that. They haven't played for a month and a half, some of these teams. No, they just, it just kills any momentum that they have. Um, but, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Of, if they came up with some sort of system to clearly define a national champion, I think you'd get a lot of the, uh, a lot of the casual sports fans would jump on the college football bandwagon because there'd be, you know, you watch a big game, you want to know what kind of, uh, what's at stake. You know, you want, you want to watch two teams that are actually playing for something tangible. And in some cases, you're watching these bowl games and you don't even know, you don't know what, what they're playing for, you know? Yeah, I, I have no idea about the BCS other than the fact that if you're not a BCS team, you're screwed. That's all I know. Right. And, and who, I, but what, I hate, no, I was going to say, what, quali- what, what even qualifies someone as a BCS team? I don't even know. Uh, apparently being in a big conference, that qualifies you. But the problem I have, Cal, is that I don't want to root for a sport where there's only certain teams. Certain teams have a gigantic advantage and others don't, okay? Um, that's one of the major problems I have with some, you know, this is going to go off on a tangent here, but, you know, like uh, Formula One racing, like the, the teams with the really good, uh, you know, sponsors and cars, they have the best chance at winning. 
for most for the most part. So in college football, if you're not BCS, you're in trouble. In college basketball, you know, you can be a Cinderella and win the whole thing. That's not true. Not usually, but you but you can. It's possible. The other thing in college football is that if you run up the score on an opponent and you beat them, you know, sixty two to ten, you're gonna get more points towards your ranking. You know, it's gonna yeah, actually it's actually gonna affect your standing. And that's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I, we could I could talk all day about how how much I dislike it. I'm just that's probably the big problem I have with college football. Yeah, I I, I think I think you got a great point there because you want to you know you watch the NFL, you watch in the playoffs, you know one team wins, they move on, or they win the championship. One team loses, and they go home. Right. Right. Exactly. One eight seven seven four zero four zero eight two zero. Top of the hour, ten o'clock here in New York on Thursday night, September sixteenth. It's ready to unload with Cal and Doctor E Ray Stat. Hopefully, we'll get uh, Sam Pete on a little bit later. And we have just spent the last hour talking football. If you want to call in, talk a little more football, we'd be glad to talk some football with you. But right now, we're talking about the weather. We're talking about anything. But right now, we were talking about the weather changing here in New York, and that symbolizes the NFL season, but that also symbolizes the, the, the beginning of uh, the Yankee playoff run in New York. And let's talk a little baseball now. Ev, and the Yankees and the Rays just finished. You know, everybody talks about there's no race, there's no drama left in, in the American League because they're both going to the playoffs. Those three games were, were pretty dramatic, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I remember you guys asked me a couple of weeks back, like, <clears throat> does, does this feel like a playoff run to you? Does Tampa seem like a, a, an equal rival? And I kind of blew it off. I was like, ah, it's early, it's early. This weekend was fantastic. This was a playoff series. That's what it was. I watched pretty much every inning, and it was, it was an exciting series uh, all the way through. And Tampa, you know, Tampa played well, and they got the lead right now. Did you, did you sense that Tampa – was really playing to win these games, even more so than the Yankees? Uh, I, I think they probably played with a little more desperation. You know, the Yankees are an interesting team right now. They have a lot of young subs, a lot of guys that haven't experienced this before. They have um, a, lot of, a couple of injuries right now. You know, they're missing Pettit. Um, yeah, it's an interesting team. I'm not so sure they're playing with the kind of desperation that Tampa is. And, you know, a lot of my, uh, my diehard Yankee friends – I've been saying for weeks this is a different team than last year that they don't feel is going to go very far. Um, I don't know if I agree. I still think they're the first or second best team in the American League. Um, but I agree. Tampa is is a, a much, much hungrier team in my opinion. What are the reasons that, that everybody kind of feels like the Yankees are not going to go as far this year? Is it, does it just boil down to starting pitching? I think starting pitching, I think their offense, for some reason, hasn't clicked for a couple of weeks now. I just don't really know why. You know, well, I mean, you, had a, you had a lot of injuries, you know? People yeah, in and out of the lineup. That's what it's been. It hasn't been like one guy's been out for a long time other than, you know, A-Rod for a while. It's been like a lot of little nagging injuries where a, a key player, when he was hot, goes down, and then you lose that hot bat for a little while. Right. And I, th- I think missing Swisher is really affecting them right I, now. Swisher and even Gardner. I think they're, the two of them kind of like the heart of this team right now. Those are the two guys I was thinking about. They have been, you know, two of the best you know, consistent players all year for the Yankees. They just really have. You know, you're basically taking two guys with 400 on-base percentages out of your lineup every day. Right. And it's not and not so much even that they have been the most consistent, but they're really like, 
they're kind of like the grit and the guts of this team right now. You know, you got your big, the high-priced, big-name superstars, A-Rod and, and, and Teixeira and Jeter, and, and then you got the Gardeners and the Swishers who are just like, they're, they're the ones that are like the heart of this team right now, from my, from my opinion at least. No, I, I agree. I don't know if they're, they're the, you know, I still think Jeter's right there, but, um, you know, he's not having a great year at all. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, I, I agree. I think those guys have carried this team for a very long stretch. You know, certainly, you know, with A-Rod being down, you know, Cano also has stepped it up pretty big. Cano, Cano has had an unbelievable year. Um, looking at these two teams, the, the Yankees and the Rays, which team do you think, which team is a better team right now? If, if you look at the two of them? I still think the Yankees are. Honestly, I do. <laughs> I think the Rays pitching is, is probably a little bit better. Their lineup, to me, seems beatable. It just does. To me, their lineup seems possible to shut down in, in the playoffs. It just does. I, I feel like they could shut them down easily with good pitching performances. And, and the Yankees have pitchers to do that. I don't think the Yankees really, when it comes down to it, are going to be shut down by the Rays pitchers, who they usually hit well. That's true. Um, do they, do they, do they, I, I, I'm not that familiar. How do they? How do they do against James Shields? Um, you know, they hit James Shields around a little bit. They usually do. It's it's price they can't touch. Um, yeah, price is good. Everyone else, everyone else, they they usually get to. Uh, and the other thing about the Rays is they have Soriano this year coming out of the pen closing games. And that's that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Somebody was talking about it on the radio. No, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember who their closer last year was. Uh, I can't think of it. The, uh, he was well, the they started with they started with Troy Percival. That's who it was, right? And then Percival got hurt at the end of the season. I don't even know. Who, I don't know who they finished with. But um, somebody was on the radio today and brought up a very good point that I heard. The Yankees have always been, no matter no matter who they played or whatever the matchup was, the Yankees always had a clear-cut advantage at the end of the game because they had Mariano Rivera, who's the best closer of all time. Now, I'm not saying, and this, and this caller also was not saying that Rafael Soriano is Mariano Rivera right now, but he closes that gap significantly enough to the point where I don't think the Yankees have... I, I, I think Soriano now is better than Papelbon ever was for Boston. Wow, that's a pretty big statement. I... I Papelbon was pretty good there for a little while. I definitely think he's been good, but I don't trust Soriano. He's done nothing to make me say that he's going to do what Rivera or Papelbon has done in the playoffs. You know, Papelbon's got two World Series. Oh, you're right. And you're right. You can't really, you can't put 100% trust in Soriano, but he's just been, I mean, he's been unbelievable all season. And I think that that's a, that is, plays a big part in these games. If, if Tampa can take a lead into the ninth inning against the Yankees, it's not a foregone conclusion that the Yankees are going to come back anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to still. Be, I think the bats are going to eventually be there once everyone's healthy. I really do. I, it comes down to pitching a lot. It really does. Well, and speaking of pitching, Andy Pettit uh, is going to pitch on Sunday. He's coming back. They're 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 kind of through now. He's Andy Pettit. He's been through this how many times? He's a veteran. He's a gamer. He's gonna he's going to give you a good effort. But are they are they throwing him into the deep end here and expecting too much out of Pettit as they head to the playoffs? Absolutely, I mean absolutely. I mean you're basically Pettit was the guy that you basically signed for you know, another one year contract. He's going to be your fourth, third or fourth starter, dependable guy. 
he, he was not the guy you needed to basically stabilize the rotation at this late in the season. I, I, what can we say about him right now? I mean, what can we say he's going to do? Everyone keeps saying, you know, when Petty comes back, we'll be fine. We have no idea what he's going to be like when he comes back. He was having a great year before he got hurt. Now what? After a month and a half off? Uh, yeah, I just don't know. You know, I, I, was of, I was of the opinion that the time off wasn't really going to hurt him. In fact, it might have even helped him. He's 38 years old. You give him a month off in the middle of the season. Well, that, maybe, maybe that's he's fresh. what Girardi says. That's right? what Girardi basically is, is starting right now. Yeah, but I think, I think you're cutting it too close now. Now I think you're, you're putting him in games that mean too much. I think if he had come back maybe two or three weeks ago, he could have ramped up a little bit and been ready for the playoffs. Now he's, you know, they're just throwing him right in. Well, as, as it is right now, if he starts Sunday, he's basically going to get three starts before the playoffs. That's correct, right? Uh, if he starts on Sunday, he would pitch Sunday. I think, he he gets, pitch... I think it's three or four. I think it'd be four. Okay. Now, listen, that's that's a month, basically, you know? Yeah. That's three, I... three or four weeks. That's that's not a bad – I think that could be enough time for him to get ready. Um, you know, and then basically you go into the playoffs with CC, uh, you know, Pettit, uh, Burnett, and possibly Hughes in your rotation. CC Pettit, Burnett. Well, your fourth starter, I, I think it'd have to be Hughes. I don't think it's going to be Vasquez. No, it's definitely not going to be Vasquez, but, you know, and I don't think there's any chance it's going to be, you know, Ivan Nova. I think it's going to be one of those, it's going to be Hughes if needed. Um, but, you know, last year, if you remember, the Yankees went to that three man rotation uh, and just had CC pitching constantly. And I remember saying, well, there's no way they're going to let that happen again. And, and here we are, and it's very possible this happens again. Well, you got to remember, last year they were able to set their rotation up going into, the, uh, into that series against Minnesota because they had an extra day off built into the schedule. And they had clinched it. And they had clinched it. So they were, they, they were able to set it up so that they only needed the three pitchers. And then there was also, it was like they played one game, then they were off. Then they played the second game. Then they were off again. They wound up having an extra day off built into the schedule, which allowed them to go with the three starters. But you're right. Every time you turn around, Sabathia was pitching in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and that basically came down to we can only win with Sabathia. That's what it was. And, and look what's happened a year later. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. And, and you know, last year, A.J. Burnett pitched a jam against the Phillies in the World Series that nobody saw coming. I, I don't think you could even remotely expect anything like that this year out of Burnett. No, I don't think you can expect it, but I, I think he needs. I think he's capable of doing it. There's no doubt. Oh, definitely. He's definitely. I mean, he, oh. his, his stuff is still good. I'm so I'm so sick of hearing that. By the way, I'm so sick stuff? of hearing about how great, how great his stuff is. You know, <laughs> at some point you have to just stop. You know, just stop being an idiot. And if you have great stuff, just figure out how to use it properly. If yeah, the problem is not your stuff, then it's your head. That's what it is. But it's got good stuff. You know? <laughs> can match his stuff up with anybody. Yes, that's what I hear. I, I heard all about it. Have you heard about it? Have you ha- has anybody mentioned his stuff? Because he's he's got filthy stuff. I heard he's got filthy stuff and, you know, uh, pound for pound. He's just, you know, his stuff is as good as anybody's in the league. <laughs> Oh, boy. Now, let's talk a little bit about Boston. I know you're feeling... Yeah, I was going to bring this up. You know, I, I can't see it happening. Can, no. Do you think Boston has a chance? 
there's six games out with uh, was it 15 to play? There was six games out with 16 left. 16 left. Yeah, that's never that's nothing like that has ever happened in New York. So that, that can't possibly occur, right? A New York team no, I, couldn't I, possibly I, blow, blow that kind of lead with 16 games left. I don't think that's possible. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, it's 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 never happened. So I think the Yankees have nothing to worry about. I know you've been trying very hard to not bash your team tonight. That's a, that's a nice little dig there. Very nice. I'll, yeah, I'm trying, but I got I had to get a little dig in. Hey, just real real quick, uh, K Rod. They've won three in a row, by the way. They have won three in a row, and do you possibly? I, I know you're multitasking tonight, but do you possibly have a score on their game tonight against Pittsburgh? You know, you know me better than that. Of course, I do. The Mets are winning four two in the bottom of the eighth. Well, how about that? The Mets. Winning four two in the bottom of the eighth, they could sweep a four game series from Pittsburgh, and then they get the Atlanta Braves this weekend with an opportunity. Uh, listen, I'm putting an end to this right now. Listen, I'm not going to let you know. Normally, you and Steve would probably go on for 15 minutes talking about how they're only nine games out. Listen, it's <laughs> over. It's over. Let's get back to the Yankees here. They mathematically are not eliminated, but no. What I was going to say was the the, the the Mets have an opportunity to finally pay the Braves back a little bit by taking care of business this weekend. The Braves are wow. the Braves are falling, and they're they're desperately trying to regain their footing and hang hang on in, in this race in the National League. And now, if the Mets could kind of like push them over the ledge, I, you know, the season wouldn't be a total loss for me. Wow, that's what you've come down to. Yeah, you're pinning your hopes. You're pinning your entire season on this uh, this Atlanta weekend. Okay, well, listen, listen you got to take something out of it. Listen, I did. I might certainly with Santana going down. This, this has not been a good end of the season for the Mets here. No, I had I had I, my hopes were were firmly pinned on the back of Henry Mejia for the rest of oh, the season, boy. and then uh, and then he goes down yesterday with with a uh, with a shoulder injury. Can um, this fan base get excited about a, a rotation? That starts with as the number one ace, R.A. Dickey. Can they? Can this fan base survive <laughs> the number one, the, the opening day pitcher uh, of R.A. Dickey? Uh, he's been he's been remarkably consistent, but he's been no, fantastic. You're not going to get any arguments from me. But no, he's, he's the, I, let me rephrase: Is he the guy that you're going to see tons of Dickey jerseys? Opening day at City Field next year. Yeah, wouldn't you know? Like when, when uh, in January, when you get the promotional materials from the team and they put the pictures of the players on it, am I going to open up my envelope and see Ari Dickey selling me on the 2011 Mets? Is he on the cover? Let's be honest. Is he on the cover next year? <laughs> He'd have to be, I guess. They got to sign him. He's, they got to sign him, though, right? Um. Well, yeah, he's arbitration eligible. So I I think he Somebody, would, somebody's up for a raise. Yeah, he would stand he would stand to do very well in arbitration this year. So the question becomes: Do you do you try to save some money and and sign him to a long term contract, or do you just let the arbitrator decide how much money he earned this year? I you know knowing the Mets, they'll sign him to a three year contract and he will win one more game the rest of his life. How old is is R A? He's thirty six. He's 36, okay? He's actually, you know what? He's only, this is incredible, 
He's about 10, 10 or 12 days uh, older than me. Is that true? I'm looking at his, he's October 29, 1974. He's not much older than me. God, he looks 40. So he's, not, 30, so he's not yet 36. I'm sorry. Not yet 36, 35. Sorry about that. He'll be 36 next year. But let's, you know, 11 and 6, 280 ERA. The guy's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's true. If, 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 if somebody laid those stats out for you and said, hey, take a look at the, the year that this particular pitcher had. And then you're reading the line and you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is really good. And then you scan over to the right to reveal a picture of R.A. Dickey next to those stats. I'll tell you what, though. I think he looks like 90% of the people, the Met fans I see at City Field. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the everyman. He, he, but he's not. He, he's actually much more intellect, inter, intellectual than, uh, than your average Met fan. And I can say that. That's true. That's true. As a Met fan. <laughs> hey, listen, just going back to the Yankee game, I have, to, I have to bring this up, just because nobody's a bigger Jeter fan than myself. I'm a, you know me. I'm a diehard Jeter fan. I like the way he plays the game. Are you talking about Derek Cheater? Oh, nicely done. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Did you, did you see the, uh, the stake hit by pitch last night? I did. I, I saw what happened. I'm sorry. That's disgraceful in my eyes. I, I, I would... I played baseball a long time ago. I, I, I know you have to get on base. You want to win a game. I, I just don't think I, – I tried to see if I would ever do that, if I could put myself in those shoes. I probably would have been, like, just standing there, you know, and just waiting to hear what he said. There's no way I would have put on a whole song and dance, grabbed my arm, had the, uh, the trainer come out. You know what I mean? Let me ask you a question. If it's a you, – you, you're at the plate, a 3-2 count in a big spot in the game – and there's a borderline ball on the outside corner that could go either way. Do you drop your bat and immediately go to first? Um, I never really did that. I would probably, like, you know, start to make a move a little bit, but I would never, like, throw my bat and start running. You know, that, I've seen guys do that. I, I would never do that. Okay. But, uh, but could you see how somebody would do that? Sure, of course. Okay. Um, you're, you're, you're in an NBA game. And you're pounding down low in the paint. That's how that's how they they say it, right? When you're talking about the idea, that's how the kids say it. That's how the kids yeah. say it. And uh, you know, the guy that you're guarding has the ball, and he, he he turns, and his shoulder hits you, and you just like ah, and you flop down on the ground to try to take a charging call. You know, you see that all the time. You see, that's a totally different. You can't compare those two sports. You might as well tell if you, if, you might as well say if you're in the World Cup. And you got the ball, and you, you, you're dribbling down the field, and uh, some guy slides into you, and you, you roll on the ground for ten minutes. That, that, that's the way those sports are. You're taking a charge is part of the game. Right. In baseball, to me, there's there's no place for putting on an entire routine for saying you got hit by a pitch. You know, obviously it worked for him in that situation. The next batter, you know, Grandison hit a home run, and they took the lead briefly. But I'm sorry, man, that that's just not the way I, I play the game. What do you what, would you do that? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. But I can understand a certain amount of gamesmanship, and where you're trying to gain an edge in a situation well, like what, that. So, what happens if A Rod does that? Do you see where? Did you see what I just did there with uh, Jeter gaining an edge? Yeah, I saw that. That is, by the way, the most annoying commercial of all time. <laughs> if, if anything ever was to tarnish Jeter's image, I don't think it would be like a sex scandal or anything like Tiger Woods. I think it would be the, the legacy of that Edge commercial 
and this fake hit by pitch. Derek Jeter? You know he's, oh, got, he's got an got edge. An edge. You know, oh, he's got an edge. Then there's that one guy, I think he says it in Spanish. I, I he can't. does, yeah. I don't even know what, how, how to say it in Spanish, but um, you're right. Uh, and, 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 and we took many years of Spanish together in high school. <laughs> we did. And uh, Senora Interante would be very disappointed to know I don't know how to say oh, He has an edge. Oh, please. I hope she's not listening. Um, her, uh, her uh, you know, Miami home, wherever she is now. I'm sure she's somewhere on, on a beach. <laughs> but, um, you're, you know, you brought up a good point about the double standard. What if it was A-Rod? Right? I mean, if, if it was A-Rod, obviously, we, you know, there'd, there'd be the front page. There'd oh, yeah. Be, there'd probably there'd, be the front page. There would be outrage. I mean, A-Rod is the guy who yells, ha, as he rounds uh, third base. That, Which, that, by that the way, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, Cal, I have, I have less, you know, respect for Jeter's fake hit by pitch than I do for yelling, uh, that, that A-Rod yelled, ha. I can see doing that before I can see the faking of the hit by pitch. I, 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 I could not disagree with you more. I think yelling, ha, as you're running the bases is, is the worst possible thing you could do. I, see, now, I, maybe I didn't make myself clear. I disagree. I can see doing that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't think I don't think that's that bad. Listen, you should be able to catch a pop up, just you know, irregardless of me yelling "ha." I'm sorry, yeah, but I but I, I find that to be so much more juvenile than uh, acting out a hit by pitch. What about punching the glove of the pitcher as he tries to tag you as you run down the line? Is that acceptable? <laughs> uh, that that would fall in between the two transgressions, but uh, they're trumped by all by uh, walking across the pitcher's mound. <laughs> Over the rubber, yes. That's, Over that's the rubber. Not, that's, the, that's the worst. That's, that, that's the that number is... one. It basically goes, it goes like this. Here, I'll run it down for you. The number one offense, betting on baseball. Obviously. Number two, running across the pitcher's mound. Uh, number three, murder of any kind. <laughs> Number four, I'd probably have to say, uh, f- uh, you know, yelling ha. And number five would be uh, fake hit by pitch. Where does where does corking your bat uh, fall in the list of these things? Corking your bat's not that bad anymore. You know, with the, the steroid scandals, I, I don't think you'd be, uh, you know. I, I, I remember there were baseball players who, like, I mean, to correct me if I'm wrong, didn't a few ball players like, swing and then, like, like you know, balls flew out of the, the, the end of the bat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Handballs and like I don't think those I think those players continue to play super balls yeah I think Sammy yeah. I think it actually happened to Sammy Sosa and of course the the best thing about that is that you could so easily just say oh I picked up the wrong bat <laughs> you know How? and and that's it and then you're okay oh you picked up the wrong bat all right you try not to try to use your own bat next time oh my bad sorry yeah I should sorry put my name that. on it let me get a label yeah. maker. In the same way that people now are saying, you know, like, oh, you were injected with steroids. We saw you. No, 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 no. I thought that was vitamin B12. Um, oh, okay. That's all right, uh, then. It's an honest mistake. It's an honest mistake. My, uh, my, my favorite cork bat story was when Albert Bell was accused of corking his bat, and somebody from the Cleveland Indians crawled through the rafters at uh, Municipal Stadium to go retrieve the bat. That was my, that was my favorite by far. All right, hang on. We got a call here. Let's take a call. 
Hello, you are on the air with Cal and Dr. E. Ray, ready to unload. Hey there, guys. It's Dan from Manhattan. Hey, Dan from Manhattan. How you doing? What's on your mind tonight, Dan? I just, I can't believe we're talking about uh, Jeter as in this in this uh, scenario. I mean, when we've got a, a decade of steroid cheats. And we've got the gamesmanship that's been going on in every sport for a century. It's a non-issue. So you did you have did no... You, did you see it then? Did you watch it? Yes. So you saw his entire song and dance where he, you know, clutched his arm in pain and writhed around and the trainer came out, they looked at it together. Meanwhile, he's basically whispering to him, I'm okay, I didn't get hit at all. And that's fine. No problem. Um... They were going to make that call anyway. You think so? Yeah. I mean, do you really think that the act influenced the call? No. Which which makes it which makes it worse because I don't I don't think it did. Which makes it worse because why did he have to act if they were going to make that call anyway? Well, I, I mean, you know, this there's a there's a big precedent in in every sport for exaggerating. Uh, episodes. There's flopping down for soccer players. You know, there's um, the, all the sort of things that go on in the scrum on the on the offensive and defensive line. Um, you know, I just I, I just don't think it's a major issue. I do. What I do agree with you guys though is that if a if this has happened to a Rod, this would be a major controversy. Now, Dan, go ahead. Now, Dan. Do, you think it would have been? Would you have had a problem with it if A Rod had done this? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I don't know because we we think of these guys so differently. You know, they they could conceivably do the same exact thing, but we we would interpret it differently. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt that A Rod. It's a, it's a bigger story. Um, I, I'll tell you the truth. You know, I watched this clip a bunch of times, and it's first of all, it's so obvious. He, he's faking. I mean, he he gets he looks after he turns around with his hand. He looks at the umpire with this like kind of look on his face, like, "Are you buying this?" And then and then he goes to he, he goes into this whole routine. I mean, he doesn't want to make a move towards first. And by the way, the sound alone was so obvious. It was it was a bat the ball was hitting. Well, unless, unless of course his that, wrist was made out of wood. <laughs> well, well, everybody listen, knows. I, uh, everyone knows. Jeter's, Jeter's made of titanium. <laughs> I want to um, uh, uh, thank you guys for taking my call. And I, I didn't hear the NFL talk uh, during uh, during the show tonight, but I wanted to leave off with this uh, and get your thoughts. Uh, went to the Jet game Monday night. Uh, very unimpressed with the new stadium. Uh, not an upgrade. Really ugly aesthetics from the outside. Non-functional bathrooms. They ran out of food. Uh, it really was a really disappointing experience, and there's just no signature to the stadium that makes it anybody's stadium. And uh, you know, for all the money, uh, it's just truly, truly disappointing place. Uh, I'll leave you guys with that. Okay, thanks, guys. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks for the call. And um, that's a great point about about stadium. And we were going to talk about that. Uh, as in the fun load about how going to an NFL game just isn't, you know, 
whether it's worth it anymore or the experience that you have in going to the game, um, Dan chimes in with his opinion of the new Meadowland Stadium. Have you been there yet, Dr. Uri, or no? No, I haven't, I haven't been there yet, but from the people that have gone, it's been pretty uh, you know, depressing to hear the reviews from it. You know, when people went to Yankee Stadium or City Field when it first came out, it, it was not a negative review that you could hear. Um, I haven't heard anything good about the stadium. I really haven't. No, and to a man, anybody that, that I know that's been to uh, to the stadium has, has had nothing but complaints about it. And that's where we want to start off right now with tonight's RTU Fun Load here on Ready to Unload with uh, with Cal and Dr. E. Ray Stat tonight. Seven, uh, 1877, I was going to give the old number, wow. 1877 is the number to call to chime in. Uh, you can talk with us about the question that we're going to ask is, what's it like to go to an NFL game? Is it, is it worth it to go to an NFL game anymore? With, uh, with all of the, the advancements in technology and, and HD televisions, and like I was talking about before, the, the Sunday ticket on DirecTV, and the cost associated with it, uh, Ev, why don't you start? How do you feel? And, and, and fantasy football, don't forget, uh, which is you know, a gigantic portion of Sundays, for me at least. You know, the first thing we have to say when we talk about the topic is, you know, we have to put into context where we're calling from. We're, we're, we're from Texas. <laughs> New York. Uh, I was, I was, I'm in Texas, apparently. No, you uh, are not. We're, we're in New York. We're, we're from New York. And in New York, you know, going to the, a New Jersey stadium from Long Island is a real big pain in the ass. It just is. You oh, know? yeah. Actually, we got, a, we got a quick call. Let's take a call real quick. Hold on. Okay. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hello. The Swami's calling in. The Swami. Swami. Actually, I'm in Texas. <laughs> that a coincidence. I knew someone was in Texas. That, yeah. that you, you messed me. You messed me up, Swami. Well, there you go. Hey guys, has anybody checked my last week's predictions? We took a look. I, I think Steve well, told me that you were seven. Were you seven and seven? Is that what you were? Seven for seven, but I, I like to set the bar high for the season. I hope everyone doesn't expect the same kind of magnificent results throughout the, the entire uh, schedule. Do you mean, do you mean mediocrity at, at 500 like that? Mediocrity knows, uh, is not in the vocabulary of the Swami. No, certainly not. Uh, no, and, and I certainly, another word is gloat. There is no such word as gloat in the Swami's uh, dictionary either. Okay, well, I threw so that out, I, I threw that out years ago. You you eliminated that from your own personal dictionary, right? Yes, as well I should. On I think it was January first, nineteen something was my resolution: no gloating uh, again. It wow. just doesn't go well with my personality. But well, it was seven for so seven, nonetheless. That ten for seven short. I'm, I'm sure you're anxious to build on that fantastic start. What do you got for us this week? Well, I guess if we had to make make our uh, selections, I I have a couple of. Uh, I, I have to take. I hate to do this to my, you know, to to you guys in New York, but I'm taking the Pats over the Jets. I can't imagine even at their home stadium that they can uh, rebound from last week's. I think I, I would call it a debacle, but it maybe wasn't even that good. Uh, <laughs> that, and, that would be. Answer, I'm, I'm sorry, debacle does fit. 
No, I was going to say that would be kind to to a debacle to call it a debacle. Yes, ex- exactly, exactly. So I'm going to go with the Pats over the Jets. All right. I'm going to I'm going to try uh, going with Philadelphia over Detroit. Okay. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of kind of leaning that way, even though you know Philly is playing in Detroit, but most people want to get in, get the game over, and get out. You know, with the you know uh, bag under their arm. So that's uh, good. Uh, I, <laughs> Even wow! It is Motown. It is Motown. Uh, what? I, I still, I still and like Arizona. I do like Arizona. I know they're playing Atlanta, and in Atlanta, but I don't think it's a, it's a going to be a gone with the wind situation, you know. So. By the way, we've just lost our Detroit affiliate. <laughs> well, you should. Those seven people have just all gone over to another station. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Let's go to. Let's take a Florida team, put them in Carolina against the Panthers, and uh, the way I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. I think the Bucks uh, can do can do okay this week. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's see. How about we 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 uh, take a pick at Chicago and Dallas? I'm leaning. No, I'm more than leaning. I think I'm falling all the way over. Uh, that Dallas will go down to defeat. You're gonna you're picking the you're picking the Bears over the Cowboys. So am I. That's what. <laughs> wow. Well, well, last week when I picked Seattle over these other guys, it had the same same effect, I think. But nonetheless, what? that's amazing. Right, now, well, Swami, well, give Tommy, us do, the, me, do me a favor here. Run run through your picks real quick so we can get to the fun. Though we got Sam Peter okay, finally okay, going to emerge right. and call it. Okay, uh, let's take Green Bay over Buffalo. Uh, let's take uh, Oakland over the Rams, and I'm going to I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give the Giants uh, a nod this week over the Colts. There you go. All right, you're going with the, uh, younger brother Eli in the game Sunday night. Yeah, kind of, but uh, you know that may be a little bit of uh, you know fan enthusiasm also. But I'll go out on a limb. I'll, I'll, I'll they should at least give them a decent game if everybody shows up. All right. Last, well, but not least, last but not least, take Jacksonville over the Chargers. Take that to the bank, and uh, hope you guys, you know, enjoy the weather. Yeah, well, we're going to hold yeah. you to that Jacksonville pick, Swami. So. Yes, as well you should. All right. Thank you very much. I hope everything is good in Texas, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week, Swami. And we okay, go from well, Swami. We... <laughs> Guys, segue, Doctor. Well, and Pete, can you give us an update on what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, well, well. Hello, boys. Uh, Sam Pete here. Greetings from stormy, stormy Bayside, gentlemen. It uh, it looks like a demilitarized zone here. I'm actually uh, walking the streets uh, right now. Oh. Uh, heading uh, had to go to Seven Eleven to get some potable water. Of course. And uh, it's uh, it's crazy. No, seriously. Uh, uh, sorry to all the listeners out there for missing the show. Uh, we uh, took about three and a half hours to get home. We came home. There's a 40-foot tree in our driveway, uh, downed power lines. We have no electricity. Our street is closed because it's impassable, and uh, it's really quite a mess. It's a little, uh, little disconcerting to come home to that after is, a three-hour drive. Uh, is it true that they've dubbed your neighborhood District 9? 
That's correct. That is correct. Uh, it is it is very District Nine esque. Uh, it's a little weird to just be walking around with a flashlight. And uh, seriously, guys, there are down trees on every street. Um, my street is impassable. The street next to ours, uh, two twelve, is impassable. It looks literally like a tornado hit our street. Well, um, you know what? It probably did, Steve. Yeah, the tornado no, probably I, hit your street. I think it, in fact, indeed did. But uh, so I, I, guess, I apologize. I guess, no, Steve. I guess it's better that you were not there during yes, this, this weather, right? Yes, that's correct. It was. It was probably better, and and thankfully that. Uh, we did, our car was unharmed in our driveway. A lot of people cannot say the same. We saw about uh, three or four cars crushed already, uh, just walking around. And uh, so, thankfully, that uh, that was okay. And uh, you know, uh, it, we're we're none the worse for wear. Like I said, just a little disconcerting to come home to, uh, but uh, we're okay. You know, we're, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to to contribute. I uh, I understand the show has probably been magnificent. Uh, because uh, you guys are the best. Well, thank you very much, Steve. We've <laughs> been trying our hardest here. Um, certainly, we're glad that you're okay. Um, I just want to mention one thing real quick, you know, before we get into the fun load. You know, we do have the uh, the chat room open on the site. Um, you know, people are are in and out of the chat room all show, and uh, we have a wonderful comment here from PJ from Jersey, who basically says, "Quote: Was Steve gone? I hadn't noticed." So, wow, wow. You know what? There's a reason that PJ is one of our better callers, and that's not it. What, I, what, what he just said is not the reason. Um, yeah, uh, so we were. that was just a, uh, a con ed gentleman telling us to watch the downed electrical wires in our driveway. Uh, so give me a second here, guys. Just going to step over some downed wires. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we give me a second need here. a live electrocution on air. This is this is live radio though, everybody. This is live this is live radio folks. We're we're, we're okay. And uh I you you guys think I'm kidding, but I literally just stepped over the live wire that's that's Steve. uh yeah, there's a piece of our fence that is uh, here in the driveway. Steve, real real quick is Anderson Cooper walking around the neighborhood? <laughs> that's correct. I saw Harry Connick Junior building a house. Um Nearby, uh, no, I would never compare it to the, the, of course, the devastation of Katrina. It's nothing like that. Thank God. Would we be called? Uh, uh, would we? Would we give a new name to the term shock jock if you suddenly got electrocuted right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you write that joke just now, or? <laughs> I, I, have Bruce, I have Bruce Valanche with me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's who we replaced you with tonight, Bruce Valanche. Right. How and how much does he eat? Because I, I imagine if Bruce Valanche has been staying with you for a while, um, he probably has special dietary needs. He's a big guy. He's a hefty guy. He's a big happy. You know, <laughs> he's lactose intolerant. But you know what? Surprisingly, a great house guest. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, let's let's get to the. Uh, we are safely home. Want to let everybody know. My wife is uh, lighting the candles, literally, not figuratively. Unbelievable! And, uh, this is this is a first. I have to say, when when we look back on this episode of of Ready to Unload, um, we're going to call it the Tornado episode, obviously. Yeah, right, the Tornado Watch. Do, 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 do. Yeah. But um, and... but you 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 called it the uh, you called you called it the perfect time, Steve, because we were just getting into the fun load. We had a call, a great call from Dan from Manhattan, who chimed. Oh, okay. He chimed in with his opinions of the new Meadowland Stadium and basically was couldn't have been more disappointed with his experience on Monday night. And I know that you were there at the new stadium on Monday night, and we wanted to get your thoughts on it as well. 
Yeah, indeed I was. And, and of course, guys, in our pre-show conference, we had talked about what the fun load was going to be, so I do know what it was. And uh, great to hear that Dan from Manhattan, who, uh, what is he, six-time, long-time? Uh, you know, yeah, six-time caller, six-time yeah. holder. Um, but, yeah, no, went to the game on uh, on Monday night. And, uh, you know, I texted uh, Dr. Ira, I texted you, uh, Cal, several times about the disappointment uh, that was the new Meadowland Stadium. There was, there was no atmosphere. There was no character to the place. I'm sure uh, Dan from Manhattan echoed similar things. He did. He said exactly the same thing, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, and it was frustrating because it's the opening of the stadium. Uh, it's the opening game for the most ballyhooed hype team in the history of mankind. Uh, you know, the team that talks more than – and I'm sure you guys have touched on this during the show, so if I'm reiterating, I apologize – but, um, you know, Dr. E. Ray keeps saying this. When has this ever worked? Yeah. When, has this ever, when has this ever been a good idea, that's what the exact- Jets are doing? Steve, that's exactly how we opened the show. Uh, I, I remember Evan saying this for the last nine months. When yeah. has this ever worked? And, and so far, not good. Right, and the answer is none. Never. Uh, <laughs> the answer is none more blacker. That's when it's worked, like the, <laughs> like the Spinal Tap Black album. <laughs> Um, no, but so being at the stadium, Cal, you know, it, it, it really brought to my mind, like, uh, my brother years ago decided to give up his season tickets. And, you know, part of that was uh, the idea that, you know, the kids were getting a little older and he wanted to spend a little more time with them. Uh, the other part of that was to trek from Long Island to New Jersey to go to the game. Uh, if it was a 1 o'clock game, it took up your, you know, you didn't get home till you know, 7 o'clock, and you were gone from 8 o'clock in the morning. If it was a 4 o'clock game, you're, you're not home until 11 o'clock at night. Right. Basically, it shoots an entire day. Now, that, of course, is a unique situation for uh, New Yorkers because our stadium is in New Jersey. Um, but, uh, Cal, it, you know, my, the other reason my brother said years ago, well before Bill Simmons did, was that I, I got a 60-inch TV in HD. Yeah. And, and there's there's no line on my bathroom, you know, unless my, you know, then 10-year-old uh, daughter is is in the bathroom. You know, there's no line. Right. Well, why uh, do so you... it, I was just going to say, Cal, it begs the question, why, you know, why still go to games when the experience is so great at home? Well, I'm going to – here's my thought. I was at – the last game of the season last year, the last uh, the last game, the Jets closed out the Meadowlands against Cincinnati on a just a bitterly, bitterly cold night. And you were there, too. Yes. And the atmosphere of hanging out in the parking lot with 20 guys who couldn't feel their toes um, for four hours before the game, and then getting in that stadium, and the stadium was rocking with just frozen humanity. It was just rocking. Um, right. That right there, that's why I would still want to go to the games. You know, and I, absolutely. And I and Cal, you know what? I, we, going into this segment tonight, I was going to sort of play devil's advocate because I re-upped my season seats for, for this year. You know, and I decided I wanted to go again, even though the PSLs were pushing me out and the experience at home with you know the the flat screen, high def television is better and. You know, as far as that goes, and, and Dr. E. Ray, we'd love to get you in here too, uh, but the idea of the, the fantasy, you know, you can keep track of your fantasy team, and, you know, yeah. we've talked about fantasy football being so important, but y- y- you're right, Cal. 
from for my money to play devil's advocate for it, you can't beat that. You cannot beat that experience. I mean, the New England game last year, week two, um, was one of the best sports experiences I had at a game. You know, here's you got to remember though. I'm I'm coming in it. I'm coming at it from the perspective of a guy that goes to like one game a year. You know, right. I look I look at the schedule, and and you know, let's talk about that too. I go to one game a year because I can't afford to go to more than one game a year anymore. The price is just <laughs> the price is just ridiculous. You know? Yeah, no one can, and and that's absolutely true too. That's another reason to stay home. And this year especially, and it's again, it's sort of unique to New York, but I'm sure it's going on everywhere, Cal, right? Because there's PSLs at other stadiums and stuff like that. Oh, of course. And, and, and of course, the, the economy's not just bad in New York. Well, know, the, rece- Steve, the recession didn't just hit, you know, Long Island. Steve, the home opener in San Diego is going to be blacked out this week. I, exactly. I mean, San Diego. Example, right. You're going to be looking at blackouts in a lot of places, Cal. A Absolutely. lot of places. And a lot of that has to do with the idea that the experience at home is better, A, and B, it's cheaper. You know, I mean, I, look, I was there on Monday night, Cal, you're talking about 10,000 empty seats, 15,000 empty seats. Yeah, that's for I a home mean, opener. For, for the home opener in a new stadium. Yeah. You know, for a team, for a team that is, is as ballyhooed as you could possibly be. Defining the word ballyhooed. You know, I, I, <laughs> can now, we define the word ballyhooed? Uh, is, is ballyhooed a word? Yeah, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, it's just a, a picture of, of Rex Ryan and Woody Johnson. That's right. That's right. With their arms around each other, you know? Johnny, Johnny ballyhooed. Um, yeah, but no, seriously, the, the, the cost is is staggering, especially for the Jets and the Giants this year with the PSLs, and we've talked, yeah. you know, now, endlessly now about the, you know, the $60,000 for four seats. Oh, it's ridiculous. Now, I just want to – yeah, Dr. Rira, yeah. I wanted to get your, your uh, points well, on this. The other thing, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Steve, but the other thing is that no one thought they needed a new one. You know, it wasn't like the stadium was falling apart in our minds. You know, we're basically this this idea of a new stadium is crammed down our throats. Um, and to tell you the truth, if you're going to do that and make us buy PSLs, this stadium has got to be amazing. It's got to be unbelievable. Something like Dallas, it has to be. I could not agree with you more. It, it's got to, it, Dr. E. Ray, you just hit the specific nail on the head. You know, the overall what we're talking about here, guys, is the idea that the experience at home for an NFL game is probably better than going no matter where you are. But if you want to get specific with what the Jets did and the Giants uh, as well, in building a stadium that it has got to knock my socks off. And you know what? Socks securely on. Uh, it, was, it was underwhelming. And it, 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 it is underwhelming. And the only thing that's remotely an upgrade, really, remotely an upgrade, is the the four large scoreboards at the corners uh, of the stadium. Right. That's it. That's it. You know what? And I, I don't know why $1.6 billion. I mean, the, the parking and tailgating was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare. Really? Because non-PSL parking are in certain lots because the, the Jets have non-PSLs in the upper deck. So, Cal, you're in one lot, but PSL people are in another lot. So now we have, like, segregation going on. You know, and now if you want to tailgate, if you want to tailgate with people who have a PSL 
uh, parking pass and you have a non-PSL parking pass, you've got to take all your stuff over to them because right. they're close to the stadium. So we, uh, Big Paulie and I, were making like the, the, the pilgrimage to Mecca with chairs on our backs and walking across these parking lots to go to our tailgate. And there were people going past us, going to the other parking lot, dragging grills, coolers. It was ridiculous. What a disaster. We looked like like disenfranchised, you know, like like refugees. Like we were looking for the promised land. The tailgate promised land. Like Woodstock. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, there's, there's been some. There's been some bad offense passed around, man. <laughs> Steve, uh, what, sorry, that's terrible. No, nah, sorry. Right. Steve, what was what was what was the single most disappointing aspect of the stadium of the new stadium? Besides the play on the field, obviously. Well, because um, that would have been in any stadium. Yeah, right. <laughs> that could have been in the parking lot at the King Cullen. That was just um, the most disappointing aspect. I think is the lack of character. Um, I know, you know, it's a football stadium, right? So, Cal, it's a play. It's 100 by 50, yeah. and it's a football stadium. You know, what's the difference? If you want character, go to a ballpark, right? Well, wrong. You know, they, very, they, very wrong. Yeah, they, it looks like, you know, it's green for the Jets, and there's green lights everywhere, and there's some video boards outside that are supposed to, and it, it, you know, I guess it looks like a Jet stadium. Well, yeah, it's green. It's a Jet Stadium. It's green. It's green right. everywhere. But there's no character at all to the place. It looks like a giant air conditioner, first of all. I mean, I the outside. I the love outside, that description. The outside looks like it should say Fetter on it or something like that. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It's the big AC. That's what we were calling it. Nice. Um, but you know, that's the most disappointing aspect, Cal. Now, Cal, let me ask you a question. I don't know uh-huh. if you've mentioned it, but you are—you uh, have tickets for this weekend, do you not? I do. I, I have selected this Sunday against the Patriots as my one uh, game that I'm going to this year. Okay, so let's revisit. Now, I had I had an extra seat for this week, and I oh. texted knowing that you had a seat. I, I uh, uh, you had seats already. Right. I got an extra seat yesterday because Big Paulie can't make it, and we need my nudge. Oh boy. Uh, so, uh, so I texted Dr. E. Ray. Right. And I said, I got an extra seat. Want to go to the game? Jets Patriots. Come on. You know, division rival. He said, no way. I now, believe why that. Was that. Why was that, Dr. E. Ray? Why was that? Well, you know, a lot of it's some of the reasons we've talked about. You know, and, and I, I opened this segment before you called in, Steve, with basically saying that our experience in New York is very different than a lot of other teams across the country. Being yeah. a Long Islander, our team plays in Jersey. This is not very far when you think about the distance, but in terms of traffic and the commute, it's torture. I mean, you're talking to basically about uh, almost a six, seven-hour experience. Am I correct? Probably more. Yeah, with with the game included, you're talking about it's yeah. a ten-hour day. But right. it's a ten-hour day when you talk about tailgating and getting out of the stadium traffic on the way home. And the reality is, is that that for me at this point, it's not possible for me to do that. You know, I got to be home. I got the young kid. You know, and then you throw in all the other things. I, I got a television I can flip around and watch high definition and feel like I'm there, basically. I got, you know, uh, fantasy sports, which I'm very much interested in. You know, I can check the, check the computer constantly. Um, these are things that are important to me, but I, I like doing it. And just the hassle of going to the stadium, it's, it's just not worth it right now. I really would like to hear what some other people across the country think. 
Yeah, yeah I it. agree. Especially, I'm sorry, Kyle, I was going to say, especially given, as you said, Dr. Ray, like we have special circumstances because of our situation in New York. Now, and, and I'm talking specifically about NFL games as well here. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're if you're talking about a college football game, that's entirely different. You know, Texas plays Texas Tech this weekend, right? You know, the, the well, I know these things now because I married a Texan. But <laughs> Texas, apparently, Texas, I'm from Texas too. Right, you play <laughs> Texas. You, <laughs> UT plays Texas Tech, right? It, there's no chance anybody's missing that game. No. You know what I mean? You don't care. The, the experience of watching that college game on television can never match what it is in the stadium. Can never. That's right. But with the NFL, with the boys who play on Sundays, it, 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 it's, it's a different deal. I'm getting to the point where I feel like this is my last year with the season seats. I'd rather sit at home and or have a get-together with the guys. Right. I mean, that's the other aspect. To have the guys over, all the guys that I can't, you know, that don't have season tickets, and I can have, you know, ten guys over to my house, sit there and watch it in HD, have our laptops open watching fantasy, completely geek out. Right. You know, go fantasy tool shed to the nth degree. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, it's a better experience. And when it's cold out, you know, we're nice. Now, E-Ray, do you think they'd say that for Lambeau Field? No, I don't think there's any chance of that because I think, you know, that's, it's a very much like a college atmosphere over there. That's what I think. Exactly, and I think that's why, as New Yorkers, we're a little, you know, it's a little different. Now, now, boys, uh, are we, we going to do the Doctor is In segment or what? I'd like to. I think we got so we got seven minutes left in the show. I think we've expounded enough on why we do or do not like going to NFL games, and the Doctor is in, Doctor E. And I think we should, too, I think we should touch on it next week on Tuesday night when we're back. You know, hopefully I have power. But <laughs> when we're back live, we should touch on it Tuesday night. I want to get your take on the new Meadowlands after you go, Cal. Yeah, I, I will be willing to so uh, weigh in. Yeah, let's do like a part two investigative report with uh, uh, Storm uh, Phillips. Storm next, Hannah? Yeah, next, next, Hannah? Week, next week I will be from the streets of Comac. That's right. Part two of our investigative report. Why go to a freaking NFL game anymore? All right, Dr. E. Ray, the doctor is in. Doctor is in. Doctor's in. All right, guys, I need a couple of diagnoses here. Um, Cal, uh, what do you think? Who's going to win this NL Triple Crown race here? Who's gonna, has anybody got a shot at this thing? I think they all got a shot. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez, uh, Albert Pujols, Joey Votto. I think uh, none of them are going to win, but... <laughs> They've all got a shot, and it's and it's made for an interesting race. The three guys this late in the season all have a shot. I need a diagnosis. Who are you putting your money on? If I got to put my money on anybody, it's going to be Pujols, but I think nobody wins it. All right. Hey, Steve. Uh, this NL West, uh, you know, staying in the National League, it's a pretty tight race here. You got the streaking Rockies, San Diego clutching, San Francisco right there. Who's taking this division? I think that I think that San Francisco is going to come. Well, you know what? No, strike that. I think that Colorado is going to come all the way back and take it. I, I just think this team, uh, the Colorado Rockies, first of all, I think San Diego's clutching, as you said. I think they can only clutch for so long. I think they're a very young pitching staff. Uh, and I think Colorado, when they get on, you know, on one of these streaks, they did it in 07. We saw them at the end of the year do it in 07. Ridiculousness. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki has three, you know, multi-home run games in the last week. Uh, these guys know how to do it and what to do, and I think Cargo is 
got the best shot at the Triple Crown because he's got the least amount of pressure. Nobody expects him to do it. Hey, can, oh, he, can he steal my diagnosis like that? <laughs> I just, I'm just another doctor coming in for a consult. That's all. It's a second opinion. Speaking okay. Of, that's right. Speaking of, of and, uh, speaking of consults and second opinions, I need both of your opinion on this one here. Uh, Reggie Bush gives back his Heisman. Do you think the 2005 winner should be vacated as they're doing, or should it go to Vince Young? Steve, let's start off with you. I'll, I'll start off. I think it should go to Vince Young. I, I think it should go to the, the uh, somebody who is as deserving. Uh, he was second in the balloting, uh, meaning, and, and, and you could have made an argument that year that he got a, a ton of first, base, uh, first place votes. I think it should not be vacated and left vacant. I think it should go to Vince Young. I, uh, I agree. I think Vince Young should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, just the, the fall from grace for Reggie Bush is, is something for another day. It's just unbelievable what, what his, uh, where he was five years ago and, and where he is now. But going back to the Heisman Trophy, definitely Vince Young. I think uh, Texas, the school that he played for, would, would be um, proud to have the Heisman Trophy as part of their uh, university. And it, it, it should be vacated. You're going to look back and say, oh, 2005, nobody won the Heisman Trophy. Vince Young was, was arguably the best player that year anyway, so I would give it to him. Agree. That's very nice. Definitely agree. But what, did either one of you check out any of the, uh, the Basketball World Championships? No. Absolutely not. What do you, <laughs> USA Basketball wins it. They win big in Turkey versus Turkey. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. But uh, what, what does this say about the state of uh, you know, USA basketball without the big names like LeBron, Bosch, uh, you know, Wade? You know, uh, is this all Krzyzewski right here, Steve? I, I, you know what it says to me, Dr. Ray? It says one thing. Kevin Durant is really, really good. Really good. And uh, I think he has a chance to be better than any of those guys that you just mentioned. I think he's uh, – I just I, – I, I think he's – if I'm going to watch an NBA game, that's the guy I want to see. I could care less about LeBron and Dwayne Wade and their little dream team there. I, I, I think Kevin Durant, let's just say it's a shame he plays where he plays. I guess, right. uh, Very nice. no, I was just going to say, I guess it's appropriate to say that Kevin Durant took his talents to Turkey. <laughs> right? You could say uh, that. You could say that, yes. Well, we only have a couple minutes left here, and uh, I'd like to open – uh, finish off here with, with with Calvi. I'd like to open a door here, Cal. I want to see how far you're going to go with this one. Cal, Clinton okay. Portis backed off on a couple of comments he had this week uh, regarding a certain female reporter, regarding the Jets. Do you have any opinion on this? <laughs> oh, boy. My opinion, I don't think we have enough time to get to my opinion. <laughs> nor, nor should we. I'm just kidding. It's an equal opportunity. I believe uh, male, female, children, whoever is a reporter <laughs> is allowed in the locker room if they are um, professional. Is there a large uh, problem with, with the, is there a large problem with children reporters as well? Yeah. Just just yeah. um yeah, just when uh, the cast of the Fresh Beat band has to interview a uh, <laughs> football team. Tiger Tiger Beat does a hard interview. I'll tell you right now. Now, <laughs> uh, just to get serious with the question, uh, do, do you feel that um, the locker room should be open to everybody? Um, you know, when basically it is just guys basically getting undressed and trying to get finished off with the game. There. Yeah, I think I think 
I think it should be it should be open to everybody as long as the people that are entering the locker room respect the space for the athletes and are professional. I think that if they're doing their job, it's appropriate for anybody to be in the locker room. Very nice. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Cal. I think it's appropriate, and I think respect has to be shown on both sides. Respect the fact, the fact that you are a journalist and there to do a job, uh, and then respect the fact that the journalist is there to do a job. So I, I think it's on both ends, and I think R-E-S-P-C-T is the key word there, boys. That's it. All right, is that all the time we have? That is all the yeah. time that we have. Oh, sorry. You got one more, Dr. E. Ray? No, I just want to give Steve the uh, final unload sign as he's earned it. Yeah, Steve, final unload. Uh, thank you, boys. Uh, yeah, Texas first, Texas Tech. I will be tuned in because I have to be now. All right, Dr. Eary, you got one? Uh, yeah, I, I would have loved to hear Sam P. talk about Jeter's fake bump tonight. I fake hit by pitch. I would love to hear that one. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, write a, I'll write an unload on it. I'll write a blog unload. No, my, my final unload is, is it's good to hear Sam Pete's voice tonight. We had some rough weather in New York, but I'm glad he's okay. And uh, we will check you again next Tuesday night with Ready to Unload back in our regular spot, 9 o'clock next Tuesday. For Dr. E. Ray Stat and Steve Sampietro, I'm Brian Calvi. Have a good night, everybody. See you next week. All right, we're out. Have you there? Yes. Okay. We're out. End the show, baby. All right. I'll get you back in Skype, all right? All right. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.